Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Hey everyone. Hello. I'm Hannah. This is Kelty. We're upbringing. We're here live to talk about our sensitive and strong-willed children, babies, partners, selves, <laughs> right? It feels good to be back here. It does. And to connect with you all. We're we're here to talk about the hard stuff and why it's the good stuff. To talk about parenting outside white patriarchy as privileged white ladies. This is us trying to do some of the work. Um, and we're here that you're glad that you're with us here and trying to practice powers beyond control with our kids mm-hmm. and those challenges, um, when they're just throwing wild behaviors at you, when they're having big splashy feelings and, and what feels like rude, terrible words, we can yeah. use powers beyond control to lean in, connect, build skills, do all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. in a way that feels better. That's more connective. That's more respectful. That's modeling the types of interactions that we want our kids to use outside the home and to expect in relationship with others mm-hmm. that's the work let us know how you all are doing what's going on for you how's everyone doing um, how are your kids doing what's been challenging lately we would love to chat with you about it mm-hmm. um, what else do we want to cover first before we want to spend one minute saying that doors are opening on our right from the start baby course it's going to be open to enroll for just this next week So check it out on our website. But if you have a baby who's under a year old, if you have a friend, if you've got a sister or brother-in-law, if you've got a neighbor, um, if you're looking for registry stuff for somebody, basically it's an online course that we're doing with Jen, if you're parenting Mojo, it's got nine video modules that you can access on your own whenever you want. comes with a bunch of optional coaching calls. Mm -hmm. It's fun. It's basically just finding ways to work in relationship with your baby right from the beginning prevent a lot of conflicts and challenges both in the baby stage and later through toddlerhood and childhood yeah, right from the start it's the course that we wish we'd had yeah. as new parents um, mm-hmm. with sensitive and spirited babies who challenged us a lot mm-hmm. yep so that is open on Sunday mm-hmm. for those of you listening to the podcast Monday it is open so head mm-hmm. over uh, to our website to learn more at upbringing.co. Uh, we wanted to read a beautiful comment from somebody here. We posted about uh, rude kids, it? rude kids, and how do we how do we deal with that? What are our beliefs, and what's the reality? Do you want to read through the Let's beliefs versus reality? Yeah. So oh when my. kids act rude, mm-hmm. ooh, when they're mean to us, when they say something nasty to a sibling or a friend. When they don't say please or thank you. Yeah. Or even if someone, someone mentions here uh, that when my kids four and seven ignore people when they're talking to them, what should I do? And that's mm-hmm. something that can really be easily interpreted as rude behavior, as antisocial behavior. And mm-hmm. we really take it on ourselves as parents 
to support our kids in pro-social behaviors. We want mm-hmm. them to be really smooth in the world. We want people to like them. We want them to be able to get along with people. Yeah. So we can go down a little hard and heavy on what's polite, what's rude. We can kind of become the socialization police in some mm-hmm. ways. So this post on our Instagram, when kids act rude, and so much of the work we do here at Upbringing is saying, we're giving you permission to worry less about what your kids say and do and how it looks to other people. Mm -hmm. And instead focus on the inside experience that they're having, which is the root cause of those rude words or behaviors Mm -hmm. and work on helping them understand that. Right. And over time that will change. It's a big trust fall. It really is. So what are our kind of instinctual beliefs often that we're trying to set aside, rewrite, give you permission and ourselves permission to let go of a little bit. Oh yeah. And type in here Mm -hmm. and think about, you know, what goes through your mind when your kids are rude. So here we put, they're choosing not to communicate nicely right now. Mm -hmm. Obviously they just want a reaction or attention from me. There's something wrong with them. I didn't teach this. They're being selfish and mean. I'm obviously not cracking down hard enough on them. They don't respect me, my partner, their sibling, grandma, etc. This needs to be stopped now. That goes through our, our minds, right? Mm-hmm. They're becoming a rude person, right? If our kids are saying rude things, we think, oh my gosh, they're becoming a rude person. They're going to mm-hmm. be a rude person. And I deserve better as their mother. And this is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. I think other yeah. ones that are rising to the surface for me is they just need to remind a reminder. They need to, Ooh, why mm-hmm. now? Love mm-hmm. that. That's a great one. Yeah. They need a reminder. They need um, an explanation about why that was rude or why they should say that or right. do that. Right. But that's, that's all based in the control toolbox that we're trying to lean away from the consequences on my terms. Now, threats, rewards, overpower, lecture, shame, blame, spanking that everyone wants to do when their kids say rude things or act in quote unquote rude ways. Thinking of all the things here, our our beliefs when our kids are rude, they're all based in fear. They're based Mm -hmm. in judgment. They're based in our own ego and needs, Mm -hmm. right? They have nothing to do with the child and what they're going through, right? Mm -hmm. Someone mentioned here, they don't know how what they said is rude, right? They just don't know. They don't know. But but I think that's why we feel compelled to point it out to them. That's rude because of this. That's rude because it hurts so-and-so's feelings. Mm -hmm. That's rude because grandma's used to being treated this way, or that's just a a mean, rude thing to say. We can feel really, we can feel very out of control Mm -hmm. when our kids are out of control, right? Yeah. So let's talk about the flip side. So take those beliefs about our kids being rude Mm -hmm. when it's, we're saying they're trying to do it. They're meaning to do it. They need to know it's not right. I've Mm -hmm. got to stop them and punish them. Disrespectful. Right. Mm -hmm. All these things. We're centering ourselves and other people in our kids' struggle or, or experience. Mm -hmm. And we have this other side on, on the Instagram post in reality. So their growing brain and nervous system are overwhelmed. Rudeness is a cry for help, not a sign to shame or punish. They need help understanding what's driving their words. They're being a healthy child. This is what we're reprogramming ourselves to believe, right? Mm -hmm. It's my job to lean in and connect with love, to de-escalate and understand them. It's very, um, very uh, productive. Yeah, it's kind of intuitive, but productive. Yeah. It's not my kid's job to respect me. It's mine to give them respect unconditionally. So we do it first. What are they needing right now? We can ask ourselves. My child is not their behaviors and taking this personally is getting in the way of serving my child, right? 
So that's the oh, reality that's like the of this one that we're reframing here, right? Yeah. Our kids' rude words are not about us. They're about our child needing help and struggling and being a child. Mm-hmm. It's all normal, natural, necessary. It's okay, right? Someone uh, commented on this post, mm-hmm. left a, an amazing comment, Susie Q. She said, they said, I distinctly remember being nine years old when an adult did something I thought was unfair. I proclaimed it to anyone who would listen. And I remember another adult, a female family member, stooping down to look into my eyes, squinting at me, pointing a finger at my face and calling me ugly. That my action of not shutting up was ugly. I remember going through life as a teen, then young adult, repeating that in my head, that I'm ugly. I'm rude. I am what the adults say I was. It's only until recently that I realized that I'm a loving, generous, righteous, wonderful person. I am not ugly. I never was. The power of one adult single word in a moment of frustration is haunting. Oh, wow. The power, the power, the power power adults of one judgment of one word is not even like an attachment figure even that we can carry, carry with us for years and connect the need or belief or advocacy Mm -hmm. that we're expressing Mm -hmm. with the external gaze of that's wrong. Don't think that, don't believe that. And definitely don't say that. Right. How often are we telling our kids that don't think that, don't believe that, don't feel that, don't share that with me. When we say, ew, I don't like the way you did that. We're saying, ew, you, Mm -hmm. your needs, your feelings. That's what can be interpreted by our kids. You know? Yeah, I love that this person also brings up the fact that as we're doing this parenting work, we're, we're reparenting ourselves and we're healing ourselves and it's tandem work. Some people enter into the upbringing space um, from the beginning and then they're having to do that reparenting work. Some people come from a reparenting work saying, I've given myself this permission. Now I believe that I want to give that to my kids to be who they are, that they're loved and worthy and have belonging regardless of how they show up, regardless of how much they struggle to control their impulses or their, their brain, right? And that supporting them, just like knowing ourselves as adults, that when we get unconditional positive regard, when we get support, when we have someone saying, how are you doing? What are you needing? We don't just feel better, but we ultimately do better. Mm -hmm. And that same practice can be applied to our children, listening to them, understanding them, and letting the rude words go is incredibly productive. It's not permissive. It's not going to raise entitled, spoiled brats. It's going to raise kids who know what's going on inside them mm-hmm. early enough and well enough that they don't end up saying something rude, that they don't put their foot in their mouth, that they don't rage on someone, mm-hmm. that they don't run away because they're scared of what they might say or do, mm-hmm. right? We're building a critical self-awareness, which is such a stabilizing um, uh, facet of a person's being and being in relationship with other people. We get to give that to our kids. Yeah. Right. And by setting aside the words. Yeah. But it's so hard because we've got such pressure as parents yeah. to be pushing that socialization. Like you said, those pro-social behaviors or just don't fucking talk to me that way. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. Right. I think that if we can set aside the fear spiraling, the judging, all of those things and keep going back to needs and helping build our kids self-awareness. And when our partner or our in-laws or the neighbor are looking at us like, what are you doing? How are you not shutting this down? How are you not shaming them? or controlling their expression right now, we can say, 
I've got this. Mm-hmm. I'm working on the deeper, the deeper stuff here. Mm-hmm. I'm right on top of it. Thank you. Getting to the root cause. So mm-hmm. to our kids, what would that sound like when they're saying really rude things mm-hmm. to their sibling, to mm-hmm. um, a neighbor, to us, to a partner? How do we respond and show up in a way that's not totally ignoring it and maybe missing an opportunity for learning, but that's also not just totally stamping it out mm-hmm. and making the situation worse. Well, I think those are the three choices. So ignoring it, working that middle ground to build awareness, right? And then clamping down on it. So I think if we can set aside the clamping down and controlling and punishing, great. Sometimes I think we should let it go and literally just turn around and walk into the other room if we can't work that middle game. Mm-hmm. If, if we're, if we're um, a little dysregulated ourselves, if we're struggling in the moment to support those harsh words, saying nothing is better than adding heat and shame and judgment. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to say that first, especially because we can always talk about it later, right? There's yeah. a lot to be done later in the yeah. circle back, not the girl back. Right. But I think in that moment, we would probably not just say, okay. And then I would say back what I heard, but translated. So if they say, you never give me food in your, cause you're the worst mom ever say, sounds like you really wanted more food. Mm-hmm. Okay. If or, they say to their sibling, I hate you. And you're not invited to my birthday party. We'd say something like, okay, it sounds like you're having some big feelings about what just happened. Fill me in. Mm-hmm. Right? So we're setting aside the words, those splashy, distracting words that culturally and instinctually we want to focus on and grab onto. Right? And we're setting those aside. We're putting our little rose tinted goggles on. We're going underneath the waves to the deeper needs. Mm-hmm. What's going on for you? What are you feeling? What are you needing? How are you doing? What can we do? Kids use very strong language. They grasp whatever they can mm-hmm. to represent the feelings that they have. And it can be very scary sometimes, mm-hmm. right? They can say really scary things like, I hope you die, or I'll never want to see you again. Mm-hmm. Things that are very disturbing, right? I want to rip your face off. Like they'll mm-hmm. say these things because they're so creative mm-hmm. and because they feel so strongly. Put those two things together and you have some very bombastic, aggressive language. Mm-hmm. So I think when our kids say that to a friend, I want you to die, just die or something like really uh, disturbing. We have to just again, nod and say, you sound really upset. Okay. We're going to talk about this, but we got to calm down first. Let's take a little space and we'll figure it out. Right. Reasoning with our kids about what's okay to say and what's not in the moment when they're struggling and have said something inappropriate is not the right. I like to think about it in terms of like my time with you or my time with my husband. If I'm like really getting ramped up about something and say something snippy or something mean, my husband or you were to focus on the words and say, well, that's not okay to say. Or when you say it like that, I'm not really going to listen. Or why would you say that word? Mm -hmm. I would be like, hello, what about my message? What about what I'm needing? Hello, I'm struggling. Stop bypassing and focusing on this, the minutiae. I think that that's something that you had a breakthrough in therapy with your husband, which is mean words means crying inside. And I think that we can all connect to that and relate to that feeling of when I'm my meanest, when I'm my rudest, it's when I need help and support. It's when something's going on and I'm feeling really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Same goes for our kids even more because they've got these little brains under construction. Yeah. They've got even less impulse control. Our kids, can't, just like us, can't always cry and say, oh, I need help. Oh my gosh, I'm having a hard day. Wouldn't it be so great if our kids mm-hmm. could be like, so I'm very stressed out. I have all these layered stress. 
I've already tried meditating. I've already had a snack. I did some journaling. Did some journaling, but I'm still really struggling, mom. Could you give me a hug or help me figure this out? No, like I can't even do that as an adult. Let's be honest. <laughs> so we have to remember and translate when we see the wild behaviors and the big mm-hmm. feelings and the splashy words, we have to say suffering. Mm-hmm. We have to say needing help. Mm-hmm. You have to say, what's my capacity to support this person? Mm-hmm. Can I support it with my presence? Can I support it with my nodding? Can I support it with my translating and validating? Can I, how can I support this? And mm-hmm. if I can't do a whole lot in the moment, that's okay. It can be really triggering to be mm-hmm. spoken to, right? That way. Mm-hmm. We can circle back later and say, oh, earlier was tough when you were super, mm-hmm. super upset at so-and-so when you told me to go die in the forest, which mm-hmm. my daughter's told me before, mm-hmm. um, instead of sort of traditional grill back, which that really hurt me. And I'd like you to apologize. I need you to say, choose other words right. next time to express how you're feeling because those words aren't okay. Right. Those right. are later lessons. We're going to get to the heart of the lesson, which is why did you say those things? What was going on for you? Mm-hmm. Let's put words to those, th- those feelings and that experience. Mm-hmm. That's the work that no one else will do for our child in their lives mm-hmm. except us. So we get to do it as often as we can. Yeah, not all the time. Yeah. Amy said, do you have any helpful mantras prior to those moments, knowing we're going to be stepping into public and could be shamed like when mm-hmm. our kids are having those those rude words? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I go into like every single public situation with my children predicting that they will struggle and that people will have feelings with about their struggle mm-hmm. and I think that that's my my main mental mantra is acceptance of whatever is going to happen we're at the zoo we're at a birthday party we're at the grocery store we're at grandma's house we're at whatever and that's the gift of having kids who struggle you know a lot just in general is I'm anticipating that I got a lot of practice I just picture too like this kind of mental vision of Something happening in your child, struggling, being on the floor, screaming, trying to take a toy, doing these things in public. So you're and pre-imagining. I'm pre-imagining, yeah. preparing my mind for those mm-hmm. things happening. Mm-hmm. And then I'm imagining like I'm swirling colors around us as though we're in our own little colored cocoon that's mm-hmm. safe and that I don't have to see or notice what anyone else is dealing with, mm-hmm. right? So thinking some kind of like mental, emotional um, cocooning or mm-hmm. protection that you could be giving that it's going to happen. And then it's just going to be you and your child. And you don't have to worry about you anyone t- else. A way to kind of tune out the rest of yeah. the world. I like, that. I think so much that you had mental mantras can be helpful too. When we're going to go out into the wild with our wild child mm-hmm. thinking this isn't an emergency. Yeah. My child is my primary focus. My child is going to do what they need to do. And mm-hmm. we're going to learn through it together. I can give my child the support that I didn't get when I struggled. Right. Oh, or just fuck them. That's yeah. one of my favorite <laughs> mental mantras people in public. Who, people who focus on us, mm-hmm. it's not about us. They're probably reliving their own childhood trauma mm-hmm. or feeling uncomfortable because they've never seen someone deal so respectfully with a child. Mm-hmm. I get to show, you know, if you really care about people, what they think, you can say, I get to show them what respectful parenting looks like today at the zoo. Mm-hmm. I get to show them what respectful parenting looks like today at Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. I get to show them what respectful parenting. I might be the only person they've ever seen treat a child this way. I hopefully will not be the last, but yay for me being the first, mm-hmm. right? Lauren said, I also think about the fact that if I show up how I want in a parenting, uh, parenting in public, we can be such great and uh, maybe, um, be such a great, maybe brand new example to yeah. other folks out there. Just like exactly. what he Yeah. I love that. Yeah. We are progressive parenting ambassadors, mm-hmm. revolutionaries <laughs> out in the wild. 
right? It might be a little shocking at first to people, but so much about this, like Kelsey said, is about standing in our integrity with confidence and vulnerability, maybe a little bit of sense of humor, mm-hmm. but that, that piece of saying, I don't care if anyone else knows why I'm doing what I'm doing with my child when they're struggling, but I do. And my child does. And that's all that matters. Yeah. yeah. But it's easy to feel that like sense of like, Oh, I'm doing it wrong. Or, Oh, I'm getting in trouble or, Oh, I'm being judged by these people. And I think, you know how people talk about picturing the crowd in their underwear, picture all those people like little kids because they are, everyone's a little kid inside. And those angry adults slash little kids are shaming, you know, or judgmental adults are just little kids who didn't get their needs met and it's making them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So picture them all in little like, you know, tidy whiteies or like going to therapy later being like, <laughs> I saw this thing. Yeah. They're, they're like looking like, Oh, I can't, uh, that was too uh, uh, but they're totally going to cry to their therapist tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. You bet. It's going to bring up some stuff for them. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else is going on with everyone? We've got maybe like 10 more minutes and we got to go pick the kids up. Yeah. But it feels good being back here. We usually do these lives at night. It's been kind of like a fun, fun moment doing during the day a little mm-hmm. bit. And what else is coming up for everyone? Yeah. Mm, Amy, you like that picturing, uh, the bystanders, bystanders in, in, uh, social situations as wounded, triggered children. Yes. Yeah, think of ourselves as beacons of healing. I'm healing this child. I'm healing myself. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, healing some other people walking by, gandering mm-hmm. at the at the spectacle the scene. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yay! We've been talking a lot about sensitive uh, kids this week. We mm-hmm. were on um, Cindy Wang Brandt's um, Parenting Forward conference. It's mm-hmm. like Parenting is Revolutionary conference, That's right? It's a podcast. We've been on the podcast and had a great mm-hmm. time with her, but a conference is coming up. So stay tuned for that. We'll be sending out more info on that. But mm-hmm. just thinking more and more about, gosh, nervous systems, mm-hmm. gosh, nervous system overwhelm, mm-hmm. right? Remembering that our kids and babies are doing everything that they're doing to try and feel safe and secure in their bodies. Mm-hmm. The screaming, the running, the hitting, the mm-hmm. throwing, the saying no, all of it is them saying, their body saying, get me safe, keep me safe. Balance me, help yeah. me. Mm-hmm. Someone said, how much adjustment or simplification in our language should we be using with our 21-month-old toddler now that she's really asserting herself and pushing boundaries when it gets risky or dangerous? Mm-hmm. So what kind of language do you want to be using? What would be a good yeah. example of risky or dangerous? Mm-hmm. Because it sounds like this 21 month old is doing her job, mm-hmm. asserting herself and pushing boundaries is yeah. awesome. It's all good. And I think really good. again, though, it's going to just require a lot more of your nearby support, mm-hmm. right? To be, um, we call spotting, like, mm-hmm. so you can be spotting her. Mm-hmm. It requires you to be noticing what areas are now no longer safe, where you may have to make physical adjustments to the mm-hmm. environment rather than putting that pressure on her not to climb, not to touch, not to throw, mm-hmm. right? So it might be an environmental thing. Yeah. And but I think, think getting clear with what is risky and dangerous, is it yeah. really risky? Is it really dangerous? How mm-hmm. dangerous? What kind mm-hmm. of risk? Weighing the risk. Yeah. I think it's easy for us right away to say, Oh, they could get hurt. So just no, don't walk over there. Don't do that. And I think that we have to remember too, what is the real risk here? What is the real danger here? Because a lot of our 21 month old, um, learning is around cause and effect, mm-hmm. slipping a little, bumping a little knee, falling off something a little it's bit. It's called risk assessment <laughs> that you can all do by doing. By you can doing. only learn it by doing. So 
thinking about, I love this, by 21 mm -hmm. months, you can be with them when they're mm -hmm. climbing up something that's a little bit precarious. And you can say, instead of saying, be careful or mm -hmm. whatever, you could say, this looks a little unsteady or slippery. Can you notice? How does it feel for you? And then ask a question. How does it feel? So you're asking them to mm -hmm. tune into their body experience and not look to external people to say whether things are safe or not, mm -hmm. but to say, how is your body feeling? Do you feel balanced? Do you feel mm -hmm. stable? Does that feel safe to you? Does that feel safe? Okay. To you? I'll be nearby in case you need a little bit of help in our minds. I'm like, she's going to slip on her butt. Or in my mind, I'm like, he's about to fall and tumble down the whatever, or he's going to bonk himself in the head with whatever it is. So we're respectfully telling our kids, here's a little information. I'm just wondering, I'm just curious, mm -hmm. but you trust your body. And I'm going to be here in case you do slip, in case you do bonk your head on that thing, in case you do are about to tumble over the whatever. And that will allow them to learn having tried it, but not get really hurt because we were there. So we're riding that line when we can, when we can mm -hmm. be with them. Right. But I like that even just saying, does your body feel safe? Safe is a very subjective word. Yeah, it's kind of a arbitrary. Word. And so that's why with a 21 month old, I would use that later. And earlier I would say, mm -hmm. is that, does that feel slippery? Does that feel stable? Does your mm -hmm. foot feel st stuck to it? Do you mm -hmm. feel like it might tip or twist? Does it so feel you're wobbly or pretty secure, firm? You know, yeah. so you can use these words so they're understanding. Mm -hmm. Does this feel, does this branch feel like it could break off or do you feel like you can hang on tight to or it? Or you could ask a question. I wonder what would happen if you, you see them starting to pull a branch back and it could like whip the other kid or something. I wonder what would happen if you pull it back and then let go. Do you think it might fling that way? Mm -hmm. Or I wonder what would happen if you did throw that thing into that thing. Do you think it might splash out and right. maybe hurt you? Or I don't know. If you put both feet on that, like you see that they're about to do, mm -hmm. where would your hands go? Where are you planning? What's your plan? So you mm -hmm. can start asking them what their plan is when they're doing risky play too. So you're building that prefrontal cortex and helping them think forward, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. then when things happen with your 21-month-old, you cannot then think back and say, how did that go on that mm -hmm. thing? Did it feel stable? So if you didn't have the time to be right next to them talking about all the things, mm -hmm. right? then you can always talk about it later with them. They absolutely yeah. understand. Lauren said, working on saying, be careful, less over here. My own anxiety about my kids getting injured is so hard to override in favor of trusting my kids' intuition. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's that middle way. Mm -hmm. And it's okay. Our kids are going to get hurt a little bit, and that's okay. Yeah. That's not a mom fail when kids get hurt. That's no. okay. We want to be. We want them to be safe. Mm -hmm. We want them to be um, never in pain. Right. But it's going to happen every mm -hmm. now and then. And it's all part of she the said, We basically had that same thing happen today, made a safety wreck. It was ignored. Injury happened. Then I got to show up in a compassion instead of saying, I told you so. Love oh, it. I love it. So love an example it. of the 21 month old wants to jump on the bed, pushing my hands away when I'm trying to keep her away from the roadway. We don't say no or stop as much as that reflex is strong. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So wants to jump on the bed. What's wrong with jumping on the bed? or falling off the bed. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to learn how to jump on the bed safely. Mm -hmm. I would say pushing my hands away when I'm trying to keep her away from the roadway. Mm -hmm. I think that that's totally natural too. And I think that mm -hmm. in those cases we could say, say, state our concern. My concern is we are very close to the road. So we get real close, say one second, can, can we connect really quick? The roadway is right there. So what drives on there? Checking for understanding cars, big trucks and stuff. So I, I get that you want to walk alone. So, so do you want me to pick you up? Do you want to walk on the inside or do you want to hold hands on this side? Mm -hmm. Which one feels good or let's hold hands or I'm going to have to put you in the stroller. Mm -hmm. And I know you want to walk. Should we hold hands? Mm -hmm. So we're giving those options. Mm -hmm. 
and ex giving a little bit of, of, um, mm -hmm. of an explanation about what it is. And like you said, Hannah, too, we can circle back. If we lose it and we're just like, stop pushing me away, you're gonna run on the road. <gasps> Later we can talk about it and just be like, oh, remember on the, on the road? And I kind of grabbed you and I said, we're going home, we can't walk anymore. And I think I was just a little scared about you running into the road. Mm -hmm. And what can we do next time? I think so much about this mm -hmm. is saying we don't want our kids to be um, like ignoring risk. We don't want them to be just diving off of beds and getting hurt all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really easy for us to forget that that's how kids will act if we're constantly holding them back from safe risk taking and assessment practices with us. Mm -hmm. So if we're never letting them risk assess and lose their balance and almost fall or go a little too far or go a little under, they're either going to be timid about everything, right? And be like, oh God, I don't know. They're always going to feel unsafe because they haven't been practicing with us. Mm -hmm. Or they're going to feel like totally without an idiot, like jumping off cliffs, jumping off stuff yeah. like all the time, right? And not knowing and getting hurt. Mm -hmm. So, so much about being, again, it looks like permissive parenting. It looks like, um, unsafe parenting sometimes when we're the one at the park letting our child climb a little higher than we would be comfortable but we're there or letting our little toddler climb up to something where we know it's slippery instead of removing that educational opportunity and saying you can't play on that if we're there and we're able to we could say this mm -hmm. looks fun oh look there's some ice on here what do you think could happen if you put your feet on it mm -hmm. or can I tell you my concern before you climb on that we didn't wear the boots and I think the boots have the more traction and you're wearing your crocs which are a little slippery with ice so I'm just wondering if you might fall mm -hmm. what do you think how are you feeling about it right and so then they go for it and we're there to spot them and we can process later right or we actually don't want them to do it in which case we would then say I, I'm really uh, like just uncomfortable with you doing this and I can't support you as it, much as I look so to. fun and I get why you want to uh, do it, but I can't be there to, to support you. And I'm worried that you might yeah. get hurt. Mm -hmm. Someone said, can see the differences for younger children as opposed to older, older are more likely to check in with me to do things rather than the younger who will tell me what they think they can or can't do. Oh yeah. Yeah. And totally. that some of that can be conditioned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That the older kids are checking in with you because Maybe you've created some patterning around, I know what's safe and you don't know what's safe. Whereas the younger child is more like, I know, I know everything. It could also <laughs> be that you've established some trust in your relationship mm -hmm. to where they're like, actually, I'm not quite sure in this moment, I'm going to defer mm -hmm. to check caregiver and check and double, double check to see, mm -hmm. which is another great thing. And I think that when our kids do come to us and say, is that safe or can I play on that? Can we make that a collaborative conversation instead of mm, yes, yes or, or no, yes, no, whatever. Mm -hmm. Say, I don't know. What do you think? Let's go look at it. Or let's go investigate that together and keep it in, in conversation cooperatively. Yeah, we want our kids when they're a little older not to think, oh, I just need someone to tell me if something's safe or not safe, like <laughs> to do something at a frat party or to do this weird business situation or, like or, in sports or something. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I can't just blindly trust someone to tell me if something is safe or not. I have to ask myself and do the research and ask the questions and mm -hmm. think it through. And that's the, the, the collaborative process that Kelty's saying is let's think it through with our kids. Yeah. Let's not make the decisions for them. Even if we have to hold them back from something unsafe, we're still going to explain to them and be collaborative about why. The parents right. said, yes, definitely. I've learned more intentional parenting, which is playing out with my younger one. That's so great. That's so great. Yeah. Someone said, really appreciate these Q&As. Generous spirit of both of you that really shines through. 
Thanks for that. We're so happy to be here. We mm -hmm. feel so lucky to be connecting with you all doing this work, mm -hmm. right? From our babies to our toddlers to our kids to our teens. Mm -hmm. It's never too late to begin thinking about using powers beyond control in your daily discipline with those yeah. big feelings and challenging behaviors. And I love this topic of safety and keeping yeah. our kids tuned into their safety so we don't have to be the safety police. We don't have to be the bummer police or the reality police saying you can do this, you can't do this. How can we stay in conversation with our kids so that they can stay in conversation with themselves? Because that's right. how they should come up with answers. Isn't right. by being told by someone else blindly, oh, okay, yes or no, do this, do that, yeah. right? That's not what we want to be conditioning our kids to believe. We want them to be conscientious consumers. We want them to be critical thinkers. Mm -hmm. We want them to be innovators, right? Not where they're just saying, well, I feel like it, so I'm doing it, or they told me I can't do it. We want them to engage in all of these questions and, of this or that and attune. Yeah. And I think that that's when, or when our kids, kids come to us with a question about safety or about um, logistics or about space. Do you like my room? Should I set it up like this? Or what do you think of my outfit? How can we always turn that back into tuning them in? How do you feel in that outfit? Or, ooh, the room's changed. What did you do? Tell me about it. What do you think about it? Right. I think it's so um, automatic for us as parents to think I've got to center myself in my opinion because I am the teacher and I am the model <laughs> and they want my opinion so bad. And I, they're like a little mini me. Just or you're like, oh, God, I finally have an answer for something. <laughs> Let me tell them. I feel so sure about this one thing. And it actually feels so good just not deflecting, but just saying, I don't know if that's safe. Let's go check it out. I'm not sure I would feel safe. I wouldn't put my body on that, but all of our bodies are different. All of us have different capabilities. All of us have different skills. All of us have different instincts and abilities. I don't know, I'm repeating myself, but I think, can we use all of those moments to be showing our kids that each of us is different. Each of our bodies is different. Each of our nervous systems are different. Each of us has different needs and that the answers come from inside them, mm -hmm. right? That's the place they should be checking and mm -hmm. relating to and questioning, getting curious about, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think starting any conversation with a question is a good one and not why, <laughs> what are we thinking? <laughs> right. How could you do that? Anything, anything our kids say or throw at us. Can we think in that moment, how can I react to this with a question, an open-ended question that keeps my kid tuned into their experience and what they're doing? Right. Because everything else in our kids' worlds are probably going to be tuning them out of their body, of their somatic experience, mm -hmm. of their needs, of their weird little brains. Mm -hmm. It's just so backward, mm -hmm. though, to think that we think teaching is telling. Mm -hmm. And what teaching really is, is asking. Mm -hmm. It's a really big turnaround for a lot of us. But think yeah. about how we learn best, mm -hmm. right? Through reflection, through curiosity and involvement. It's a Benjamin Franklin quote. It's like, mm -hmm. tell me and I do it. Teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn, mm -hmm. or something like that. I botched it. Someone said, how do I connect with my two-year-old more so he doesn't run away? My three kids and I are headed to the ocean for spring break without my husband. Mm. I'm terrified my kid will run away. Continued. No typing still. Oh, okay. Probably. That's that's such a big one. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. When you probably have a baby. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing you maybe have a baby. Yeah. Another person's asking about um, age-appropriate stuff. Give us an example of that. Because yeah. I'm not sure what age appropriate means. Mm -hmm. I used to think I knew what age appropriate means. Hannah's daughter, who's eight, went into school today with makeup on. So we're 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 in a big trust fall here, people. Yeah. Yeah. So go on this trip because your in-laws are paying for it, but they aren't quick enough to catch him. I think that's yeah. okay, yeah. I think when we've got a little runner on our hands, this is temporary, this is totally developmentally normal. Mm -hmm. Two-year-olds who run away all the time, you and this two-year-old 
are buddies. Mm -hmm. You guys are super buddies for this trip. You can start that that conversation yeah. now. Oh, what are we going to do at the park? Oh, at the beach. What's your favorite thing? You know, when your brother and sister are playing in the waves, you know who you're going to be with? Me. I'm going to be right next to you. I'm going to be with you. So those moments where you it's might want to we stick together like a team. We're a team. Building some team atmosphere, not anti-team, which is, so you're not going to run, run away. So <laughs> the ocean's dangerous. So when I say come back, you need to come back. Right. I think often we think, oh, to prepare our children, we need to warn them. We need to remind them. We need to preempt all of the crappy things they're going to do and explain the ways that it inconveniences us or is unsafe. Mm -hmm. So I think we have to remember that all of that power is in our hands. Right. And right. I think beyond just like budding up and allying with this two-year-old runner, right? I think also just what else can you do with the environment and everyone else? Mm -hmm. So talking to grandparents about being on with a five-year-old who is a little slower moving, who can mm -hmm. is a little more receptive. What can you, how can you be having the baby in a stroller where you could just run for the two-year-old and the baby's safe in the stroller? Mm -hmm. How can you have it where they're strapped to you so you're not having to, to carry them and you've got your coffee and it's hard? Mm -hmm. So how can you set up yourself for success in supporting your two-year-old mm -hmm. as well? And how can you yeah. flip that fear of, oh my gosh, we're going to the beach and they might run away to, oh my gosh, we're going to go to the beach and they're probably going to run away and I'm going to be right on that. I'm going to be right on top of that. It's, it's their job to run away. It's their job to run, 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 run. You can get their nervous system regulated before you go down to the water. So mm -hmm. they're listening and they're calmer. So you could be doing like dips and flips and twists and laughing and cuddling before. Mm -hmm. So then maybe they feel a little better once they're down at the beach and a little less wily and a little mm -hmm. more like in flow and ooh, checking stuff out. Mm -hmm. um, someone else, oh, the inappropriate clothes. They said they want to wear crop shirts and they're in junior high school. Yeah. yeah. I think, that. I think we're just beginning to realize that age appropriate is really just control, um, mm -hmm. and, and, and dominant culture, um, mm -hmm. and it's expectations. And I think if, if the junior high school has, um, you know, clothing guidelines around what you can wear and what you can't wear, then that's something to be pointing out to our kids. institution. You got to follow those rules. Got to follow those institutions. But I think that we try to be institution free at home and say everyone can wear whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Everyone can express. That's our freedom to express and our freedoms model, which you can download on our website in whatever way they want. They can wear what they want. They have their own gender identity. They might change their name, right? They might wear makeup or want to cut their own hair that's their right mm -hmm. because it's their body. And again, right? instead of like cracking down and saying that's inappropriate and I won't let you wear that when it's their body, right? Mm -hmm. it, the other way we could go is just not saying anything and just letting them be them, which mm -hmm. can be very supportive to a child to just feel like they're probably being judged and mm -hmm. um, uh, deconstructed everywhere else at home. They're just unconditionally accepted and loved. That's great. Mm -hmm. But you can also find that middle way with your junior high student, a schooler child and say, how's that feeling? Why are you wearing a crop top? This is my concern. Maybe that it's just so sexy and you're so young and I'm just concerned. Know. I wouldn't even say a concern about it because concerns are, are judgments. Mm -hmm. I think we can share our concerns with our partners and our therapists and our friends. Yeah. But I think that, like you said, Hannah, the what? ideal would be to be that one safe place where our kids can yeah. be who exactly who they Maybe are. Even even to better understand why. Mm -hmm. You're wearing the crop tops. You're liking those it, lately. Are those kind what of is in it? lately? Or what do you like about the air? It? Where it's just nothing right here. I mean, even if you ask, you? you're like, you know, it's because that's what everyone else is wearing. They're doing it to fit in and to feel safe. Again, everything our kids do, whether it's throwing shit, running, screaming, crying, or wearing crop tops, mm -hmm. is to feel safe in their body. And if wearing a crop top helps them feel safe at school, then mm -hmm. in, in our mind, it's like, let them wear a crop top. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and be inspired by that, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, wish I were brave enough to wear a crop top. (laughs) I'm kind of crop topping today a little bit. Oh, you were a little bit. Thank you all so much for being here. Go and check out our um, Right From The Start Baby course, which should be open by the time this airs on the podcast Monday. It'll be open for all of you Instagram folks this Sunday. Do you have a baby? Do you have a toddler? Do you know somebody (laughs) with a baby or a toddler who wants research-informed support around sleep? movement and play, diapering, dressing, bathing, eating, big feelings and attachment and sleep stuff. I'm not sure if I mentioned, but sleep, which is a big pain point for a lot of us with the younger babes. It's all in there. It's all in there. It's about how to attune to your baby, not do a particular thing, not bed share versus breastfeed versus, mm-hmm. you know, stop nursing versus those things, but saying, do what's right for you and trust in that process mm-hmm. and go by all of this research, but figure out what's going to work for you both. That's the goal of the course Mm -hmm. and the community. Love it. Someone wanted to be in our video, but we don't have time for that. So I'm sorry. We're all here. We're loving you a lot. You're doing an amazing job. Mm -hmm. Kids are lucky to have you. Um, We'll be back on live soon. If you had another question, send Mm -hmm. us um, a DM and we'll try and get to it here or in our stories at some point. Yeah. Yep. And we'll see you soon. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.